Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. If you're still here with me on episode 11, thank you so much. I think um, we had some pretty dark episodes there, 8, 9, and 10. They were, uh, I think they were pretty intense. But they were necessary. Hope you enjoyed them. I'm glad to be back recording with you guys. I've, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to sit down multiple days now to record. And what I realized is, you, you really have to be in the right headspace to do this. You can't just do it to do it. Uh, I thought when I initially started podcasting, I thought, all right, I'll just pick a day and I'll just talk shit and record. And it's really not like that, especially for a dude like me that. Um, <clears throat> has to go through the things that I do go through and the, the battles that I, that I continuously, um, fight every single day. You know, I'm in a constant struggle for peace. I'm in a constant struggle for happiness. And in doing so, some days aren't as, uh, as motivating as others, but that's why we're here. And that's why we talk about this stuff. And, you know, there's days where I don't feel like doing anything. Um, but I'm not, playing poor, poor me. This is just how it is. I'm just being, you know, raw and honest with you guys. Um, so it has literally taken me from recording episode 10, uh, probably over a week to be able to sit down and really, if not two weeks to really sit down and get in a, get in a headspace where I can record this, uh, this 11th episode. I'm just, I'm so grateful for you guys for being here and the support that I've received is so overwhelming. Um, been having a lot of fun with you guys on Instagram doing the, uh, the live chats. That's, um, that's actually pretty cool. And excuse me, damn, I'm drinking a protein shake and I got oatmeal in it stuck in my throat. (laughs) So I'm having a lot of fun with you guys interacting on Instagram. And this is the part of the thing with me on Instagram is I don't want my page to become, you know, just a bunch of empty followers, right? I don't. I'm not a dude. I'm not setting out to have the most followers in the world. And I've said this on Instagram. If I'd rather have 10 very loyal people that I feel connected to than 10 million people I'd have no connection to. Um, and that's what I enjoy about getting on the live sessions is because, you know, we can interact back and forth and it, and it kind of feels like I know a lot of you already, even though I wouldn't recognize you if we walked past you in the mall or in the mall. Fuck, I'm not in a mall anymore. I'm 43. Um, that's young people shit. If I saw you walking down the street, probably wouldn't even recognize you. But you know, on there, it is what it is, and and we're 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 kind of connected. So I appreciate you guys for being there. Truly, um, 
This April the 16th and 17th, I am at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga, Tennessee for four comedy shows, two Friday night on the 16th and two Saturday night on the 17th. Going to be a great time. Chattanooga is one of my um, one of my favorite towns to to perform in. It's always a lot of fun. I've been going there for many many years. Always a great time in Chattanooga. I hope you guys have been kicking some ass. Um, you know this I, this is going to come out in a, on a Monday, so I'm hoping that by the time you listen to this, you'll be prepared to kick kick this week in the ass and and have a great week and prepare yourself for an even better weekend. Um, I'll tell you, I just, uh, like usual, I just got back from my farm a couple of days ago. I spent I spent four or five days out there. My, my family came out, my father, my mother came out, my kids, my wife, everybody was out there. And uh, it's just, I can't, I can't tell you enough how, how refreshing it is to be able to get to a place that you, where you want to be. I know I preach this, I, I constantly harp on it, but it, it is so important to be able to have a place, and you don't have to have a farm, but just have some happy place in your life to where you can just unload that weight and just take it off for a little while, where nothing else matters in your life except being where you want to be. And that's that's what that place does for me, man. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't worry about shit when I'm out there. There's no news, there's no internet, there's no nothing. It's just me with people I care about doing things that I like to do. And then I come back to the city, you know, as usual, I'm back in Charleston for two days and I'm just ready to just get out of here again. But got obligations in the city, man. And at least the city does allow me the opportunity to podcast with you guys and record Um, out there. I don't think I'd even slow down long enough to record 45 minutes because I'm I'm 100 miles an hour out there with a chainsaw in my hand or driving a tractor or doing something. I can't sit still when I'm out there. I love it. So having said that, let's talk about, you know, I was on a, um, I was on an Instagram live the other day and I was talking about discovering your new self, right? And I don't hold the key or all the answers, but I do, I do know this. We talked about this on Instagram live. <clears throat> I know as, as we grow older, we, we, we grow into different people, Right. Over the years, I'm not the same guy at 43 that I was at 33, nor do I want to be, right? I love the person that I am now, and I look forward to becoming the person that I'll be in my later years, you know, wiser and I think just more mature, more comfortable with who I am. I had a lot of fun in my 20s and 30s. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I was all about... Um, all about Travis and destruction. And I, I tore up a lot of shit and I'm in that rebuilding phase now. And I'm just, um, I'm happy with who I am. I couldn't imagine. I was talking with my buddy this morning on the phone and he's like, dude, do you think you could hang out with your 22 year old, 23 year old self? And I was like, no, I'd slap the shit out of that kid. <laughs> and he said, and it's true, but I was just wild as shit. And, and it's crazy how you think you know everything when you're young. And then even right now, I think I know everything at 43, but I don't know shit. You know, when I, I look at my father, this 70-year-old, 71-year-old man, he knows it all, right? I don't know shit. So, I don't know where I'm going with it. But I just think that as we we t- grow older, I think, I think a lot of th- times with me, it was hard for me. I was always fighting who I was becoming. And I always 
wanted to be, this is why I had a tough time with uh, separation anxiety from the uh, emergency services. And while I think a lot of people have that separation anxiety from the military as well, <clears throat> damn oatmeal, it's because we constantly try to be who we used to be, right? That old us, I don't want to say is dead, but we don't really harness who we're really becoming. We, we, we work so hard to be who we used to be put ourselves on that pedestal of what we used to be versus who we can still become. And I think a lot of us chase that, especially in our communities, military emergency services. And that's what drives guys and girls crazy. It makes them lonely. It makes them uh, not feel like they're connected to something. And I know I certainly had that battle and I'm just, I'm fortunate to where I'm still involved with those communities just in a different light. I don't, I don't get to wear that that cape anymore, that that suit of armor. You know, I took that shit off a long time ago. So now I do the things that I do. And I sound like I'm rambling. I feel like I have a message and I'm not getting it across. But I hope I hope that makes sense. Um, don't focus so hard on what you used to be. Let's let's kind of work together and focus on who we can still become, even even in in our later years. You know, I always hear, I hear my dad often say, well, I'm too old for this or I'm too old for that. And it's like, no, you're really not, man. Your heart's still beating. You still have time, you know, to look forward to something, to go do something new. And I I just think we need to kind of look forward instead of backwards. This is going to be a hodgepodge, this podcast. Look, all these podcasts aren't going to have a direct message. They're not going to be grand slams or home runs, shit. Sometimes... I think it's going to be hard to even get on base. This is this is that attempt today for me to just get on base with an episode for you guys. Um, I've had you know I've had myself I've had a rough couple of weeks and uh, I really want to dial something in and give you this real hard hitting episode. But like I said, you gotta you gotta bear with me because sometimes I don't think that uh, it's going to be just about getting on base. So I have a I have a bunch of notes here today to just kind of talk about a hodgepodge of things. Um, I took some suggestions off of Instagram live the other day and you guys were extremely helpful with that. Cause my, my mind, I was just, I was so focused on one thing and I needed, I needed to be able to open up my mind to think about some other topics. And you guys helped out with that. And I have one about changing culture. And, uh, I think this could also extend outside of the emergency services and military communities. I think even like in the corporate world, not that I'm too familiar with that, but I th- I'm pretty sure as, as human beings, we, we get um, so accustomed to doing things a certain way that we like change is very hard. Change is extremely hard for a lot of us. And change is good though. I I've certainly experienced that and, and change is hard. Change is scary because change is unknown. And I think that's why so many, so many folks are, are so uh, reluctant to, to implement change. I know in the emergency services, man, it's like, we did shit the old way because it was just the old way. And we were just very closed minded and wouldn't even consider doing things the new way. Like when the, when the air packs came out for firefighters, I remember my captain telling me when he was on the job, the air packs came out and he said, the old guys just said, don't even, don't even, don't even open that. You don't need that shit. And that is like just the most absurd thing just because you didn't have it. And now it's available. Doesn't mean we shouldn't use it. So I definitely think a change in culture is necessary, and I think um, proactive change is is a great thing, especially in in the cultures that I come from, because uh, 
unfortunately with us, it, it usually takes people getting hurt or damn near, damn near hurt. Um, big incidents like that to take, uh, to make effective changes and, and change in the fire service certainly happened after our fire that claimed our nine guys. There was a lot of changes implemented because of that incident, not saying that it needed to happen for that change, but everything did change after that. So I think with our, our culture, as far as mental health goes, you know, cause I'm a, I'm a huge advocate with this shit. We have a long way to go. We've made wonderful strides in it. And I get messages all the time about, Hey, our department is doing this. Um, they're, they're speaking out about this and they're, you know, they're more receptive to guys and girls opening up. And that's, that's just awesome. That's exactly where we need to be. And that's, we're headed in the right direction, but I just hate hearing that we can't get there soon enough because, you know, we have, we still have folks that are, they feel like they have nothing left and they take themselves out. And it's just unfortunate and you can't save them all. But like you heard in, in one of those last episodes uh, where the, the girl, the female police officer jumped off of a bridge and took her own life and nobody knows the circumstances surrounding that. But I'd hate to, I'd hate to think that it was because she felt like she couldn't talk to anybody. I'm not trying to make this dark at all. Not today. Um, I got, I got another note here. It's like, how do you respond to autistic people? And that's a good question that I can't even answer. I can't even begin to give you an answer on that because when I was on the job in the fire service and the police department, we had zero training for that. None, zero. Honestly, I don't even know if we really understood autism and knew what it really was, unless one of the um, guys or girls on our job had a had a had a child that was autistic. Um, I never, I never really understood it. I never really knew what that was. And looking back, that's kind of sad because I'm sure we responded to many incidents uh, where there were autistic people involved that we probably had a hard time helping or. We being human beings were a little judgmental, probably a little too harsh on somebody and didn't give them the proper uh, empathy that we probably should have because in our line of work, you know, we get so jaded. Uh, it's very easy to just kind of dismiss people in, in our line of work. And it's sad to say that, but it is true. And if you're on the job and you're listening, I guarantee you you're shaking your head in a forward and backwards motion, meaning yes. Um, because we do dismiss a lot of people out there. We don't take them serious because we go on so many bullshit calls like we call like we call it. And unfortunately, you know, that becomes our, our perception becomes our reality. And we we tend to think everybody's just full of shit um, when that's not the case. So <clears throat> I don't know how to even answer um, how to respond to an autistic person. I think there's a level of patience there that has to be um, exercised. And I would, I would hope that departments are offering training for that. And I'm sure they are. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not aware of it. And I, I'm sure that there's some kind of training involved. And especially if you have a parent there, I would recommend someone that has a relationship with that autistic person. Um, I would really lean on them during their time of need and during an emergency to, essentially you incorporate them as a first responder to help because I'm sure that autistic person probably is going to trust that parent more than you. Um, this is a true story. Yesterday I went to Lowe's and I don't, I'm not going to diagnose this kid, but I know something wasn't right with him. He was screaming at the top of his lungs. His father, I was in the store and his father, I looked down the, down the aisle and his father was trying to hold him and I guess uh, hug him and 
make him feel safe. I don't, I don't know. I don't, but the kid, there's something wasn't right with him. And I immediately wanted to think, oh, that kid needs a shit slapped out of him, right? Because I'm old school. I'm a hard parent. I grew up that way. Like, hey, stop making, but I stopped. And this is why I like the new person that I am. I don't have the same mentality that I used to. I remember thinking, man, something's not right with that, that kid. And that, that father has a, has a very, very hard job. And I could not imagine having to be that father, right? Where the old me would have damn near wanted to walk up to him and be like, Hey man, you need to slap shit out of that kid and put some discipline in his body. This wasn't the case. There was something, something wrong with that kid. And that's, that's what I mean about maturing. Um, now at 43, I can understand that and see that. Um, so, you know, my hat's off to these parents out there that are doing everything they can. And they were put in situations like that, raising, raising their children the best they can. And I know it cannot be an easy situation. It's got to be hard. So, um, I would, I would lean on, lean on the parent during an emergency situation. If one is available, uh, the best that you can. I have another note that says, um, encouraging people to get help. Like how do we, how do we encourage coworkers to get help or people that we know? Look, look, man, it's a fine line when you're doing, if you, have you ever watched one of those, um, uh, what's the documentary where the people, um, they pretty much ambush the person who's like a drug addict or whatnot to get, to get them clean. They have an intervention and, uh, you can't do that with this stuff, man. You can't ambush people who you think need help. It's a private conversation. that needs to be had amongst two people or not. I don't think you, because this is, um, it's a, sometimes this is embarrassing. I know with a guy like me, if, if, if multiple people would have caught me in a room that it might've turned to fucking blows because I was very honorary. And I think a lot of us in this line of work are, uh, and we're very defensive when it comes to that. And if you make us feel like we, like we're being judged for being weak, like we may, we may have an issue, like, come on, who the fuck are you calling weak? I'm Superman. I think that's when the peacock feathers come out and we start bowing up. And I don't think that's good. I think, uh, the best way to handle that is no one did this for me. No one pulled me to the side. No one talked to me ever. I had to make that decision on my own. But now, looking back, if someone wanted to help me, I really honestly think I, I got to a point where if someone would have just asked me, pulled me to the side, hey, Travis, are you okay? I've, I've just noticed you're, you're a lot different. You don't seem like the same dude you used to be. That's all. I think that's all it would have taken with me. That's, and, and I probably would have poured my heart out. I needed somebody to talk to. And I think that's what we can do. Um, maybe you can handle it a little bit more delicately than that. I'm not a wordsmith. I'm not good with words. I would fuck it up. I'd honestly walk over and probably be, hey, man, what the, fuck, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I'd put somebody on the defense real quick. But I, I think that if you just ask them, hey, as a friend, I'm coming to you from a, from, from a great place. And I mean no harm by this, and I mean no judgment. I'm concerned about you. Are you okay? I know that maybe you've been on some some traumatic calls or some some scenes, and I just want to make sure that everything's good with you. And you'd be surprised what people would probably tell you. And I, and I'll tell you this, because after I speak, I don't even ask people this in the audience. I don't ask them. I don't go down the list like the 500 people sitting in an audience and say, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay?" 
what I do is show them it's okay to not be okay. And I tell them my story. And I talk about this stuff in, in grisly detail. But afterwards, inevitably, and I've told you this on other podcasts, I get bombarded by people that are in that audience. I still to this day get it. Hey, man, I saw you speak yesterday. I saw you speak last week. I was at this conference three months ago. And I'm having this problem. They're wanting to talk about it. Most people are wanting to talk about it. They just don't know who who it's safe to talk about it with. And I think that when I hear myself say that, it makes a lot of sense. They got to feel safe. They can't feel judged. I think that's how you encourage people to get help. And without me even asking these strangers who I've never met, they come to me and they tell me their problems. And I've get, I mean, I get some grisly, gruesome stories that I don't ask for. I don't ask to hear people's problems. But when they, when they email me, I do the best that I can to read what they've written. They took the time to trust me with, with what, with their story. So I'm going to read it and I respond the best way that I can. And I don't always have the answer for them, but I try to help. And I think that's what we need to do. If you have somebody that's struggling, you approach them gently and let them know that they can trust you. And you're not going to be that person that's going to run and bust their balls in 20 minutes to the rest of the the fellas or the gals at the firehouse. You're not going to be a person who is going to take their intimate feelings and and use them against them. I'm not saying any of you would, but the, the backgrounds I come from is ball breaking as shit. We don't trust people with our feelings. And rightfully so. You, that shouldn't be used against you. I mean, it, it was used to exploit you when I was on the job. But I think things are changing to the point now. If somebody pulls you to the side and says that, I don't I don't think it is the way it used to be anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it could be, but I got another note. <clears throat> like I say, we're going to skip around a lot. Using comedy to cope. Um, you always hear in emergency services, we use dark humor. We have dark humor to deal with the things that we go through, the things that we see. And that's very true. Um, I, I have been a part of some just horrible, horrible jokes at other people's expense. Um, not that I'm proud of it, but it, it is true. That's how we deal with it. We, we joke about things because the things that we go through, the things that we see, the things that we do, they're not normal. They just are not. And so the only way we can kind of trick our minds into not um, hurting us is to make fun of the situation, to laugh it off. And that's what we do. And that's all right. I think it's fine. Um, if, if you do it tastefully now, I've, I've, like I say, I've have been a part of it where I've done it distastefully and I'm not proud of that. Some of that's in my book. One of the stories, actually two of them, uh, no, one of them, one or two of them shit. But, um, do you got to do what we got to do to get by and you're you're literally in a real world scenario out there that um that requires you to be able to maintain a a um an ability to function and if we lose that ability to function then we become a liability to ourselves and our crew but i think at some point after these incidents you know you can't keep wearing that shit down and grinding it down and if you, I think that's a telltale sign. If you see somebody that is doing that, they got a fucking problem. If they're talking about 
the same incident for too long. If they are uh, stuck on this one's incident and the jokes, um, that might be their way of of trying to combat something that's going on in their mind. And that could be a telltale sign that that person needs some help. So keep an eye out, keep an ear out for that too. Um, signs and symptoms in your coworkers. <clears throat> I'm sorry this is not as upbeat as I normally am. I'm not as jokey as I normally am. But like I say, I have I have rough days too, people. Um, I'm not the Messiah. I But here is here's the thing. I hook and jab every single day, just like many of you. And I get up and I fucking try because that's all we can do is you got to keep pushing. And uh, you're not going to win every single day. You're just not. You're not going to win every single week. But you got to get up and you got to try. And that's what I'm doing. I'm plugging through this damn this podcast with you guys just because uh, I want to push this content. But I want it to have some sort of substance to it. I don't want it to be just... A bunch of bullshit. I'm not going to, you know, I could just get on here and sing Lionel Richie for 30 minutes. Say you, say me. There is an extremely funny story behind that. And I'm going to tell it. And I probably should not. But I, but I feel like I need to. <clears throat> there was a time in my life where, you know what? I can't, I can't say it. There's certain things that I said, remember that I'm sorry, I did not really did not mean to tease and I should edit that out, but you know me, I'm not about edits. I cannot talk about certain things and I will not talk about certain things. Um, that's just, there's a reason for it. And, uh, I don't think everything needs to be said when you start talking about that's, and that's the other thing too. If you start opening up to people, everybody thinks that there's no part of your life that needs to be private and that's complete bullshit. You, you tell what you want to tell and not everything needs to be talked about. So keep that in mind. Um, don't message me with that. I'm trying to find out what's going on with that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even said anything about that. Um, but also, especially with what I do, I am transparent. I am transparent, um, with trauma and you know, with, with things like that, but that doesn't mean that I need to just lay my life out on a platter. You know what I mean? I mean, it's come on. Signs and symptoms in coworkers, man. There's so many. There's so many things that we can notice. Obviously, obviously the 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 obvious ones. You know, coming into work drunk or smelling like booze and all that. But the, I think the the really good ones are one that I just mentioned. Somebody talking about one incident too much. Um, or frequently, I think that's a telltale sign. And I also think that um, mine, in my case, was was a complete behavioral change. And it was almost, I was like a child acting out because I, I didn't know how to control it, the feelings that I was having. And I was always, I was mad and I was happy. I was happy and I was mad. And uh I was a ball breaker, but I would go from having fun to being very vicious very quickly. Um, I, you know, I've talked about this in other episodes where physical altercations took place, and that was never me before any of this shit. And in it, it just happened. Um, when you notice someone, when you, you know people, and you know your friends, you know your coworkers, you know how they behave. When you see things changing with them as far as their behavior, that's a telltale sign. 
And I think what we do many times, it's hard for us to really want to step in and intervene or because we feel like we're, we're being nosy. But at the same time, it is your it is your obligation to step in because you don't just depend on you out there in, in these jobs. You depend on that person that you're sitting across from. They depend on you. You have the right to know if everything's okay with one another. So you have to ask these things. Um, how to find a counselor was another question I had. So I think I've heard horror stories, man. I have, I have friends that have had very, very bad luck with counselors, with uh, therapists. And sometimes these therapists that get in there, look, it's just like cops and uh, firefighters. Not everybody deserves to be a cop and not everybody deserves to be a firefighter. There's some people that are just taking up space in an occupation. And I think with counselors, that's just, that same rings true. Not every teacher out there is great at their job. They're just getting a paycheck and doing what they went to school for. You got to vo- make sure, I shouldn't say avoid because you don't know going into it. You just, when you, when you go to uh, whatever resources your department has available, when you go to these counselors, you got to sit down with them, have a conversation. And if there's no chemistry, look at it like a match.com date. If you're sitting there or a grinder date, whatever you, whatever you're into, if you're sitting there and you don't feel it, then it's it's not good. I um I was fortunate to I have I've had two counselors in 13 years. And both of them are phenomenal. The first one was magic. I mean, I trusted this woman from the day I met her. And I'd never talked to anyone the way that I talked with her. And I never laid all my shit out on anybody like I'd ever laid out with her. She just made me feel comfortable. And like I said, I immediately trusted her. And I felt there was no judgment. She didn't have the answers for me. You know, she wasn't like, I got all the answers, come sit down. It wasn't like that. And naturally our relationship formed and it lasted, I want to, I think it was eight years before she retired. And when she retired, I was, I was kind of, kind of upset. I was actually very upset because I didn't think I'd find that again. And I was going to stop going to therapy because that relationship was done. And, uh, the new counselor that I was assigned to reached out to me and she said, look, I understand you had a wonderful uh, relationship with this person. I'm not trying to be her. She goes, I, I'm just me. And if you want to come in and, you know, give me the opportunity to be your clinician, I'd love that opportunity. And I said, I'll have to get back to you. And I thought about it. And I thought about it. And the, and the bullheaded part of me was like, no, fuck her. Don't trust her. I ain't doing that shit. But then I realized how much good it was doing when I was talking. So I said, you know what? We'll give her a chance. And it was the exact same thing with her. I walked in and within, I don't know, within five seconds, I knew I was in good hands. So I was, I was lucky. Now I have horror stories of other people that I know who have not been so lucky and they've been through 10, 11, 12 counselors. I know a guy who said that he went in and he was talking about his shit and his counselor started crying and it was like he gave her PTSD just from fucking talking to him and <laughs> she needed a counselor. So it's, um, it's kind of tricky. So I would, th- don't be afraid to ask for a new counselor. This is for you. It's not for them, right? You got to find what fits for you. And that's what I would recommend. The effect of poor management in a stressful environment and how it affects morale. So this is kind of like a leadership thing. And uh, obviously leadership, 
is a very touchy subject because people have different opinions on it. But I think in order to be an effective leader, you have to understand your people. Um, you have to know how um, to manage them and you have to be able to understand their emotions. It's very hard. Anybody can. There's tons of leaders out there, but that don't mean they're fucking great leaders, right? People are just thrusted into leadership positions because there's a slot available. Hey, guess what? A captain in the fire department doesn't mean he's a fucking great captain. I've seen it both ways. I've seen shitty ones and I've seen great ones. I've seen guys who were just put in that position because they had enough time on the job and the, and the space was open. So the department had to put somebody in there and that captain could give two shits about his crew. I've seen the same with deputy chiefs in the police department. I've seen the same with sergeants in the police department. They're just riding their time. But then you have true leaders. You have the people that don't make excuses for things when shit goes wrong. And if their crew does something wrong, that leader doesn't blame them. They don't blame the crew. They put that on their shoulders. They harness that shit. They carry that load for their crew. And I always said a crew can make a, a make a um, make a make you a great leader, or make you look like a great leader, or they can make you look like a piece of shit. You know, because a crew, a good crew that sticks together, they can make a captain shine, or they can they can make him look like shit real quick. Um, so I think the effect of poor management and stressful environment. And how it affects morale is this. I think if a leader does not, when we're talking about mental health, if a leader does not notice or address the fact that his people or her people are having problems and they just brush it off as, eh, that's the job. I think you're a shit leader. And I think that's an old dinosaur way of thinking. And I, th- and I, I had that. I, I've experienced that. I've had um, people that wouldn't step up to the plate. They knew people in their crew were fucked up. They knew stuff was going on in their personal life. And they just, they didn't allow it, but they didn't, uh, they didn't address it. It's not what I'm saying. They didn't, they didn't encourage it. They just never addressed it. Um, and from then on, people in the crews started spiraling out of control. And that leader themselves may may be having problems okay but that's when you step up to the plate and you become a fucking real leader and you pull the whole crew aside and you're like you know what i have a problem so who else here has a problem and then when when those subordinates see their leader step up to the plate say oh man he's got a problem then shit it's okay for me to have problems and then you can hash it out but we didn't do that People always buried things and nobody took care of one another. And that's, that's what I want to get to in another episode. I want to call it the false brotherhood. It's that false brotherhood mentality. Oh, we're all brothers until we actually need something. We need help. We need to take care of one another. This brotherhood of ours exists up until that point. Um, brotherhood means just that it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent. It's 24, seven, 365. It's not just when you show up at the firehouse or show up on shift for your uh, your day as a police officer. It's off-duty, too. Um, so I think the impact that that has is it just... Nobody is ever allowed to actually arrive at a, at a good place. Everybody's always suppressing whatever the problems are. You know, we 
Yeah, you know guys are drinking at home. You know guys are doing drugs on their days off. You know this. And you're not doing anything to pull them aside or to even help reach out to get them help to to get the resources because we're not going to do it ourselves a lot of times. We we're too too afraid to appear weak. We're too afraid to get in trouble. But you as a leader, it's time to lead. That's what that's what real leaders do. They step up and they do the hard shit. They do the uncomfortable shit. They step up to the plate because it takes a real man or a real fucking woman to step up and do the unpopular. Hope that covered that. That brings me to living versus existing. You know, we've talked about this before. How's your life going? Are you where you want to be? Are you doing the things you want to do? Are you living? Are you truly living? Are you just existing in this period of life? I, um, I'm not proud to say this, man. The last two days, so, uh, and this isn't me bitching. This is just me trying to paint a picture. I, uh, the last two days I've sat at home here in Charleston. I go to the gym. I come home. I don't feel productive here. This isn't my productive place. This isn't my happy place. And I sat and I sat outside by the pool and I sat there for hours doing nothing. And I was miserable. And I thought, man, I'm the pot calling the kettle black. I got a podcast where I talk about creating your own light and going out and doing the things you want to do. And that's what I'm trying to tell you people. Even, even I still fight this. Even I have these problems. So it's not like I, I, I've, beat all this. I mean, I have shit days too, but I still try. I, uh, I got up off my ass again yesterday and I went and tried a few different things and I wasn't happy doing it, but I wasn't sitting by that pool anymore, you know? Um, and then inevitably I got sucked right back out, right back to where I didn't want to be, which was sitting outside in my pool in my fenced in yard where in my farm, there's no fences here. It just feels like it's a fucking cage. Um, so that's, I wasn't living. In those last two days, I was just merely existing and I'm not proud of myself, but I need to be open and honest with you guys. I was just existing. Um, today I'm getting a taste of living a little bit because I am, uh, I'm on this podcast. I'm doing something I want to be doing. Uh, I know the message today is just a little, it's probably a little kind of all over the place or it's not, uh, it's not that hard hitter, but like I say, it's, it's, it's a step. It's a step forward. Um, and that's all we can do. Just keep moving forward and keep trying to be productive and don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Episode 12. I have no idea people what we're going to be talking about in episode 12. I'm just happy to have gotten through episode 11. Cause honestly, when I hit record today, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna make it four fucking minutes, but I hope that through this episode, you were able to find some tidbit of information. Um, if it sucked, that's fine too. Um, <laughs> I don't really give a shit. Actually, I do care. Um, I care enough because I wanted to. I had all these notes written down and I just wanted to be able to have various topics to hit on. Um, I like living versus existing. I feel like you can go on and on and on about that. Um, but I thought that I would just you know be a little transparent about how my day was yesterday and be honest like, hey, I'm, I'm guilty of just existing sometimes. And that's when we got to dig deep and we have to really appreciate this time that we're given and you got to go out and live it and do the things that you want to fucking do. I hope that you guys kick ass. Like I said in the beginning, I hope y'all have a great week. Um, and give me some suggestions for 
episode 12. I have a few. I do I do want to do one. Um, I need to make an asterisk by this. Recognizing your social media addiction and balancing social media with family and work. Um, I think that's I think that's an important one. Tell me what you think about that topic. Till then, y'all have a good one.